Okay, so Porig, this picture that you've sent me of this guy's teeth, talk me through what it is that we're looking at here. This was a patient that came to see me, 18 years old. He was very embarrassed about his teeth. The reason he was embarrassed was because he had pretty well lost most of the fronts of his teeth to decay. They didn't just look bad, they looked black. Porig Oraktagon is a dentist in Galway. The picture he had sent me showed two adult front teeth that were the colour of shiny black marbles. You can imagine how that child felt uh, every time he opened his mouth. He didn't want to go to school. He was in leaving cert. And those weren't the, the whole issue, Philip. The whole issue was that he had nine other cavities that you can't see. His teeth were blazing his life. Obviously, the boy's teeth got that way because he didn't brush them. But the FEMPI cuts, financial emergency measures in the public interest, didn't help either. Introduced 10 years ago, the cuts more or less reduced the dental services available to medical cardholders to mostly relieving pain. They weren't entitled to preventative treatment any longer. Uh, Cleaning of teeth, uh, oral hygiene instruction, dietary advice, none of which is facilitated now on the scheme. So Porig and his colleagues found themselves having to ration treatment to medical card holders to just two fillings a year, no matter how many other rotten teeth the patients had. Which essentially was relief of pain. And generally speaking, if you get a toothache, it means that uh, your tooth's in real trouble. That's the last sign that you get before the tooth ends up needing to be extracted. So we ended up seeing an awful lot of extractions in that age group and very little uh, restorative work to look at, just keep the teeth. These particular austerity cuts haven't been reversed since they were introduced 10 years ago. So in a very real sense, there is a generation with gaps in their mouths as a reminder of gaps in healthcare provision because we bailed out the banks. We're singing the blues again. Sifting through the embers ten years after our bonfire of austerities, finding out if our national theme tune for the last decade really is the blues, or is there something else more appropriate? Getting a fix on what happened so we can fix what might be about to happen. There is a school of thought that says, look at Ireland. That's how much pain a society can bear in the name of fiscal rectitude. And it worked, sure, aren't they flying it again? There's another school, though, which says that if the austerity imposed on Ireland actually worked the last time, wouldn't everyone be doing it again now? Both or neither might be right, but there's no denying the cruelty of what was imposed. So hypothetically speaking, Porig, if I had turned up at your clinic after January 2010 and the cuts with, let's say, three decayed teeth and a medical card, what would you have been able to do for me? You would be entitled to have two of those fillings provided at no cost to yourself. The third tooth would then be a matter between yourself and myself. 
And if I couldn't pay for it? If you couldn't pay, unfortunately, we would have to wait until the following January and hope that the tooth would be still restorable then. So how often do you find yourselves then, 12 months down the line, having to extract a tooth that a year earlier would have been perfectly salvageable with a filling? Very, very regularly. You know, certainly several times a month. I imagine it must feel pretty awful from a professional point of view where you're legally obliged to tell people how bad the teeth in their mouth actually are, but then have to turn around and say to them, listen, I can't do anything for you, though, until after December 31st. Yeah, it was like you, you sort of always look forward to the start of the new year when you didn't have to have that conversation so often. Terrible things ha- would happen, you know. You see a patient in January, February, they have their two fillings, away they go, and they have an accident. They fall and chip their front tooth. Now they've used up their allocation of fillings, and they're into me in the middle of August with a broken front tooth. Medicine can't be doled out in units with a limit on top. It's kind of like saying... Mr. Boucher Hayes, you need a quadruple bypass, but we're only going to be able to do the first two valves this year and the other two in the next calendar year. That's what dentists are regularly doing. We find ourselves in one of the most difficult and uncertain times in living memory. The cuts that have blighted the teeth of a generation came in the fourth of a sequence of eight austerity budgets. This budget sets out a plan to deal with this most unfavourable set of circumstances. October 2008, just two weeks after the blanket guarantee, an early budget increased taxation by two billion and cut public services by one billion. If we were to keep a running tally, that's three billion euro taken out of the economy. We are the living witnesses to the most traumatic collapse in the world financial system since 1929. Brian Lenehan could only offer more blood, sweat and toil five months later in April 2009 with an emergency budget that took £2 billion in taxes and cut spending by £1.5 billion. That's six and a half billion so far. What is wrong in our economy we can fix if we take the right course of action now and if each one of us signs up for it. Eight months later in Budget 2010, the Minister took a further four billion in public spending cuts, lassoing all parties into the austerity agenda. It is of enormous benefit that the main political parties in this House share a common understanding of the extent of our difficulties. That's ten and a half billion so far. Budget 2011 went the furthest and deepest yet, taking another six billion euro in cuts and was entirely premature in suggesting light on the horizon. Kian Corla, the worst is over. The average income family with children lost about €2,000 a year. Dole was cut by €8 a week. Our running total by now was £16.5 in cuts and taxes. Twice in a generation, reckless spending on the back of irresponsible politics has landed our country in a fiscal crisis. 
Fine Gael and Labour's first budget saw Brendan Howland cut spending by almost £2 billion and Michael Noonan raise taxes by almost £2 billion. If we go back to where we were before it all began, we are back in the bubble economy when ministers held a naive belief that all of us could become wealthy by selling property to each other. That's £20 billion a year. If Fine Gael and Labour's first budget reluctantly got on with the Troika programme that Fianna Fáil had committed it to, their next budget enthusiastically embraced the cuts that they said that still had to be imposed. Despite the progress made, the country still has a long way to go. But this government is prepared to travel that distance. Budget 2013 saw an overall fiscal adjustment of €3.5 billion. The low-hanging fruit picked long ago, the government introduced harsh cuts to carers' allowances, respite care grants, children's allowance, and started taxing maternity benefits. Political friends and foes alike should be under no illusion. This government will not resile from the task in hand. That's €23.5 billion. Budget 2014. The Troika were leaving, but we would still be signed up to an austere bottom line. The purpose of this budget is to continue the progress we have made. Another £2.5 in expenditure was cut. Maternity payments, medical cards and bereavement grants all came under the axe. In total, all of the austerity budgets involved cutting spending by £18.5 billion and taking an extra €12 billion in taxes. We slashed spending by a sum close to the amount that we spend on health every year, and we increased taxation by the amount collected in every county of the country last year if you take out Dublin, Cork and Galway. So in a sense, the austerity programme was the same as if we had gone to 23 counties and said, you lot are all going to be taxed double, And then we had cut public spending by the equivalent of closing every hospital in the country and sacking every nurse and doctor. That January was just horrendous. Like, I literally hadn't got money for milk some weeks, so I wasn't letting that happen to me again. It's horrible. It's horrible because you're sitting there and you're thinking, okay, who can I ring for a lend of 10 euros? But I don't want to actually ring anybody, like as in family, or, you know, can I... Because if I get a loan of 10 euros... How do I pay back that back of the social welfare that I get next time? Sarah Gill was a lone parent at the time of that budget 10 years ago. The accumulated cuts introduced by Brian Lenehan left her €16 Euro a week worse off. So the following day, she phoned the minister when he came into RTE. We have another caller on the line. Uh, Sarah, good morning. Good morning, Pat. How are you? I'm very well. What's, what's your question for the minister? Um, I'm a single parent to yep. a five-year-old child. Um, and a little girl, and I was made redundant a few number of years ago. Now, I'm on community employment scheme, so I get half-rate um, loan parents um, and get community. Now, I'm down by €16 Euros a week plus the child benefit. Now, I just want to ask the, the Minister how I'm supposed to survive on what I earn. Brian Lenehan didn't get very far trying to convince her that she was actually as well off in the midst of the Great Recession as she had been during the boom. But but first of all, the, 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 I accept that your, your payment level does go back 
to the 2007 level, but the cost of living has gone back to 2007 as well. Now, I know you've, a lot of people find that hard to accept. It, 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 the, the cost of living hasn't gone back. I mean, this time last year, my electricity bill was like nearly 500 euros because of the weather for two months over Christmas. I'm expecting that again next year. How, like, I pay that every week. I pay extra money. Every Since then, much of the last 10 years has been about denying herself and her daughter even the simplest of comforts. I know it's silly, but I, I just treats like sweets in the shop. Like, you know, you go to go to Dunn's or Little or Aldi if you're shopping and a normal child will say to you, ma'am, can I get that? Mammy, can I have that? And you're like constantly, no, 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 because you have a shopping list of items you have to get for the week. And that's what you have to do. So when they, you go into Dawn's or Little and you want to pack it a sweet extra, it might only be four euros, but it's four euros that if you spend on that, you might not have milk and bread during the week. And that's how desperate it got. Like that's how bad it can be when you're on a low income. It, it, it's horrible. It really is. I wouldn't wish it on my own enemy. And I've told my daughter, she's, there's no way she's going to live like me. It's a peculiar coincidence, but Sarah's fortunes in the last decade have mirrored what happened to the country as successive budgets took money away and then put it back in again. So too have her fortunes risen and fallen. If this were a morality play, Sarah would be our every woman. So if austerity programmes work and we are officially quote-unquote flying it again, then Sarah should be the better for it too. Before the crash, she had a good job, could pay all her bills and was saving regularly. Then she was made redundant. It was a dark period. It's horrible because to get into a depressive state like that, because I did get into one, of just, I couldn't, wouldn't even get dressed. I wouldn't get out of it. You know, I just was living in my pyjamas back then. Budget days 2010, 2011, 2012 were fearful occasions for her, wondering what was going to happen next. I can't, like going over 10 years, I can't remember all the cuts, but there was sometimes when you'd get a cut, like so, there was a, a year probably when you'd get, a, you know, a cut and you'd think, oh God, all right, now I have to re-budget everything and re-juggle everything. I just didn't realise how tight you can get, like how, you know, how every penny can stretch. But as the Troika left and budget turned from cutting to gradually restoring, Sarah found work. I was blessed, I think. And they just said, yeah, we, you know, we need someone part-time. Would you be willing to come back? And at that t- stage, I said, yeah, no problem. I'll do whatever hours you want. It was a job, but in common with many of those created in the post-crash economy, it was a bit thinner than before. I did always ask, was there a chance of a full-time job? But there wasn't. There was never. It was always a part-time job. Um, and it suited me at the time. The hours and pay meant that Sarah still had to turn to the state to supplement her income. It's what she calls living but not a life. I'm lucky to have a roof over my head and I have food in the fridge and I can pay the bills. But I don't have a life. Can't tell a 15-year-old to sit in and not go out. No, she, you know, she doesn't go out that much. But you know when they want to go out with their friends, it's, mom can have a tenner here or I don't want to go to cinema or you can't constantly say no to them. It's, and you just have to do it out yourself. You're not just a number. Like, this is an actual person living that life. So today I'm okay, right, we might not be poor. But to the person living it, you are. Sarah never got back to enjoying the work and income security she had had before the crash. But the research says that she has. Research says that after all that austerity, there is less inequality in Ireland than in other Western societies that weren't put through the ringer. Could Sarah have gotten it all wrong? Is she, are we all, actually living high on the hog again? 
Only decisive action will restore confidence. Consumers will only start to spend, and business owners will only invest and create jobs if they believe we are tackling our deficit problem now. Think back to 10 years ago and this popular debating argument from politicians advocating an austerity agenda. In our everyday lives, we do not borrow to pay for our household bills. We cut back and seek to live within our means. The same strictures apply at national level. Comparing the economy to your household budget. Don't spend what you don't have. A homespun and folksy piece of wisdom that you had to, however begrudgingly, admit made a certain amount of sense. Borrowing hundreds of millions a week to pay for day-to-day spending is just not on. While slashing the budget like it was your weekly shopping list to stabilise the economy sounded plausible, it was actually highly contentious. Stabilising the deficit is the next key milestone in our plan to deliver economic recovery for this country. Aidan, is it wrong, even for rhetorical purposes, to claim that a household budget is comparable to a national economy? Yes, entirely. I think uh, in, in, in the study of political economy, we would say this is a fallacy of composition. Fallacy of composition is the way that political economists like Aidan Regan from UCD say that just because it was right for one thing doesn't make it right for everything. What households do um, is very different to what governments do. And when you have a recession, that is when kind of basically income stops flowing, households stop spending. Uh, what government does is typically uh, the opposite, right? When people stop spending, the government needs to spend more. So the idea that the government budget is equal to, say, my household or your household budget uh, just doesn't make sense from a structural macro perspective. Because if the government did behave like a household during a recession, well, it would push the country into deeper recession because they would effectively be cutting uh, uh, expenditure, they'd be increasing taxes, they'd be pursuing what macroeconomists would call a pro-cyclical response to a crisis, and that's only going to dig the hole deeper. So really, governments need to be doing the opposite of what households do in these, uh, in these situations. And jump forward to the present, we can quite clearly see that now, looking back in time, that the initial policy response to the crisis uh, effectively deepened the crisis. But there are many people out there who would have you believe that those brutal, really, really hard to swallow budgets were exactly what put us back on the straight and narrow. No, no, I don't think the evidence is there to suggest that that puts Ireland back on the straight and narrow. I think what got Ireland out of that crisis was qualitatively unique and very specific to its industrial development uh, model, uh, basically foreign direct investment. So in Ireland, what was really driving the economic recovery and what enabled Ireland effectively to generate income and taxes to fund public services and to get out of the hole that it got itself into was the increased foreign direct investment in the US multinational sectors, and in particular in the big tech sectors, and also uh, in the later years in the pharmaceutical sectors. Surely, Aidan, that doesn't mean that the correct response to a crisis of this magnitude would have been don't impose austerity, just sit around and wait for the multinational sector to grow our way out of this problem. No, I don't think that would be a fair uh, conclusion to make. It's really about what choices could have been pursued. Was it necessary to increase taxes as a response to the collapse in revenue associated with the housing bubble? I would answer that question by saying yes. Ireland had spent the previous 15 years under successive Fianna Fáil PD governments slashing income taxes <clears throat> to such an extent that 50% of the workforce were effectively taken out of the income tax bracket and the state itself became much more dependent on basically a handful of earners 
That's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. It was not sustainable in the past. It's not sustainable now. So the state had to do something in terms of filling the hole in revenue and tax increases were, were unavoidable. But did they have to basically cut the capital expenditure program, stop spending money on public housing, stop spending on public transport and so forth? Probably not. I think those were the choices uh, that will effectively come back to haunt the Irish uh, state. And this is why Sarah Gill feels poorer than ever at a time when economists are telling her that we have a very progressive tax system that fairly redistributes wealth, that we have income inequality that is a fraction of other Western economies. Sarah might have increased her income since she first lost her job, but eight slash-and-burn austerity budgets left our every woman much poorer in public services than she was before the crash. Childcare, healthcare, education and housing are things that she pays more towards than Sarah in England, Zara in Spain or Sarah in Sweden. This is going to be sad, but the first lockdown of the pandemic was the first time I actually ever had extra money in my pocket in the last 10 years. And that's because we couldn't actually go out anyway. Unfortunately, Sarah's job, real Sarah, not every woman Sarah, was in the tourist industry. She works in the accounts department of a travel agency and for the last year she has really only been issuing refunds to disappointed holidaymakers. So she works each day as if it is literally her last. I'm actually waiting to, every time I open my email for work, and I'm only doing two days a week now, I have a fear of, am I going to get an email to say, say, listen, sorry, there's not enough work for you. And that's what I'm living with every single day at the minute is, what do I do? What am I going to do? How do I pay the bills? At 46, she is trying to ease her way out of the precarious tourist industry job and is retraining as a special needs assistant. We have a degree of success in this country at helping people to reskill and change direction. And Sarah acknowledges that she hasn't done this all on her own. There is. There is. I mean, I'm not going to say no, there's no help because... Because I'm a part-time worker, I was able to go. I mean, I looked around. I didn't know where I would be after Christmas. So in July and August, when I could see all the refunds and no one travelling, I thought, what am I going to do? I can't let this go on and be out of a job. So I looked at a course. Um, and I, I've i always wanted to work with, like, in, not with children, but in a, a setting where with children with special needs. I just think there's not enough SNAs out there. So when I seen that, I don't know how hard it's going to be because at 46, I have to go back and retrain and then I have to go and do interviews again, which is how I'd never have to do, which is the worst part of it. And then start like a job that a 20 year old should be starting. Along with infection rates, ICU numbers and vaccination uptake, there is another number bandied around when we debate the pandemic. How much is it going to cost and who is going to pay? The figure so far is 19 billion euro. And Sarah has a very strong instinct about who is going to end up paying off most of this debt pile too. I think about it and I try and put it on my mind because I just think I can't, I can't t- even think about it because as it is, I'm already like struggling with the pandemic, like not having, you know, not being able to go for a walk with friends, me for, you know, and at the minute the, the pandemic is kind of all the things in my head. So thinking about next year, it's like, no, I, because I, I'm a warrior anyway, so I'd only end up like literally being like a zombie, not sleeping and constantly thinking about things. So I just I don't want to even think about that now. I'll I'll deal with that when it comes and that's going to be a hard, hard year. I I just don't know what I'm going to do. For the moment, Sarah doesn't have to worry about that, though. The European Central Bank is keeping borrowing cheap. This may feel to some like putting the bill on the never-never, 
But Aidan Regan says we are not a household budget. If you spend the borrowed money on the right things, it will generate its own wealth. So today, every government in the euro area can borrow at negative real interest rates. And at that point, I don't think it's a particular problem whether the state has a 90% or 100% debt to national income ratio. What really matters is what the money is being spent on. If it's just being wasted on building airports where nobody flies to, or if it's spent on increasing public sector wages by 20%, well, that's clearly a very bad idea. But if it's being used to invest cleverly and strategically in key public infrastructural and key public and social services, then I don't think necessarily think it's such a problem. Uh, because as long as you have sufficient revenue coming in and you are able to generate uh, relatively high demand for the debt that you issue and it's and you can issue it at, at for nothing effectively, well, then I think it makes sense to do it. By the end of the eight austerity budgets, we had cut spending on health by 27%. The numbers waiting on trolleys in emergency departments went up 81% in the same period. Before the first of the austerity budgets, we were dedicating 1.3 billion euro a year to local authority house building. By the end of the sequence of eight budgets, that was down to 83 million. The same is true in education, childcare, mental health, public transport and so on. Money has gone back in, but we still haven't caught up with our pre-crash selves. And the gaps in our teeth are real and painful. If we choose to, or are forced to, have to cut those services in the same way again, well, that will be something to sing the blues about. Boombus Broke is produced and presented at home in his living room by Philip Boucher Hayes, which I hope explains the occasionally less than optimum sound. It is an RTE Radio original podcast. Thanks for listening and stay safe. In the next programme, why didn't the Irish protest as much as everyone else? Did we just take our austerity medicine lying down? <laughs>